My podcast guest today is Lucy Mowat from Method Marketing. She is going to be sharing with you how you can use content marketing to help you hit your business goals. It's something we all need, it's something we all desire, and we are really going to cover lots of things and give you lots of value in today's episode. So let's dive straight in. Hello and welcome to Tara Talks. I'm your host, Tara Best business coach, author, and founder and director of Tara Punter PR and Tara Punter Coaching, and basically someone insanely passionate about helping women thrive. We help incredibly skilled and talented business owners just like you unlock your potential, take control of your limiting beliefs, and create a business that you desire and deserve. Are you ready to create a life that far exceeds its expectations? You are going to want to subscribe, and let's dive straight into today's episode. very excited to talk to you today. I know you've got so much value to share with my ladies, but it would be amazing if you could just give our listeners a little introduction to yourself, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem. So I am Lucy Mert, and I am a content marketer based in sunny Norfolk, well, it's sunny right now. Um, and I um, run a marketing agency called Method Marketing, and we focus predominantly on content marketing which sort of involves anything from content strategy to social media strategy, um, a bit of PR, uh, article writing, website content writing, that kind of thing. So everything from strategy to delivery. Um, a bit about me, though, I uh, started out my career as an editor. So I worked in magazines and publishing, uh, worked for a, a sort of a wide range of uh, brands producing magazines for their customers. So essentially content marketing without really realizing it, I think, at, the, at that time. Um, and then moved sideways into marketing. Um, I've subsequently got my CIM diploma, which is great. Um, and then I started my own agency in 2018. Uh, so I've been doing this for a while now and work with a range of clients from uh, predominantly in professional services. So sort of insurance, solicitors, financial services, but also um, other bits and bobs too that are a bit more sort of diverse, like supplements and things like that. So yeah, a really fun mix of different things that keeps me out of trouble. Oh, I love that. So what was the moment then that made you want to set up your own business? Um, I think I was looking for more flexibility. So um, I was studying at the time in, in my job and I just, I was struggling with the the workload almost sort of doing a full-time job and doing a course, which was, a, you know, it's quite a, an intense process. And I was running a blog and had family commitments and all of that kind of thing and training for a half marathon. There was lots going on and I was sort of looking for some flexible working and, and it wasn't kind of working out with my employer. So we made the decision to, to, um, go self-employed which was great fun um, and you know, I haven't looked back it's been really nice to be able to take control of my own business and my own work life. So what were those sort of first couple of weeks slash months like for you when you took that self-employed plunge? Oh so initially it was terrifying so I actually um, made the decision to resign without actually having anything like I hadn't been running a side hustle or anything like that so it was sort of a bit scary but actually <laughs> Do you know how sometimes everything seems to fall into place? Mm -hmm. So that exact same day when I handed my notice in, I went to the gym after work and I bumped into somebody who I used to do a bit of freelance work with. And he said to me, oh, actually, we really need someone. Are you available? And from there, I had something yeah. sort of from day one. Um, and that agency I still work with and, and it's really great. Um, and then the first few weeks after starting going freelance, it was just, it was great. It was 
busy and fun. So I had this client, but I was building my business. I was setting up my website. Um, I, it was actually a really exciting time. The, the fear sort of dissipated after I had that initial conversation on the same day that I resigned. It was brilliant. That is amazing. Talk about the universe just sending you that person when you needed it. That's yeah, it was a real sign that I'd done the right thing. Yeah, I love that. And how have you continually grown your business and got clients over the past couple of years? So um, I have been fairly proactive on social media, although, you know, peaks and troughs. Um, but yeah, fairly consistently posting to social media and really engaging with, with people. So making comments on that and, and providing meaningful comments and things like that. So getting known in the local community. Um, a lot of it's word of mouth. So actually I got quite a good network here in Norwich. So I know quite a lot of people anyway but I've been going to a lot of networking events and it's certainly in the first year or so sort of everything that was cropping up I, I went to networking events and then decided to speak so that was a big thing for me was put myself forward because public speaking isn't necessarily something that comes naturally and I know a lot of people will feel that way um, but actually putting myself out there and saying right I'm going to do this um, so if anyone's interested there's a really great meetup called the marketing meetup um, they're all online currently but um, actually I spoke at two of those events one in Cambridge and one in Norwich and it was fantastic and really broadened my network done a, did a few more things like that and then speaking to people um, on other people's podcasts Yep. So that's been really, really nice as well, getting to meet other people and chat through what I do and what they do and providing value to audiences like yours, which has been really, really useful. Yeah, I think networking is such an important tool when you're in those early days. I used to go to so many rounds here when I first set up and I've still got some sort of friends and business contacts now from those early days. And I spoke to one of them last week and, you know, she said, do you ever like go networking anymore? Do you ever speak to anybody? I said, no, because it just got to a point that I didn't need it anymore. But in those early days, it was invaluable for giving me contacts with graphic designers, website designers, branding experts. And, you know, it's just building those networks of people, isn't it? Knowing that each person you meet might have an ideal client for you or might know somebody that you want to be connected with. So yeah, important. and actually, when you're going alone as well, it's, I don't know if you found this, but having someone to talk to who understood as well. So speaking to other self-employed people, even if they were in a completely unrelated field and just saying, what's your experience of this? How have you found it? Um, or I'm struggling with this. Do you have any tips? It's been really great for speaking just to other business owners. Yeah, I met my first coach at a networking event, actually, back in 2016, 2017. Um, and just like getting to meet her and sharing within that safe space the, the issues that I was up against at the time and just having her give some value, give some advice. Had I not gone to those, I don't know how my life or business would have changed because would I have felt worthy of a coach? Would I have felt brave enough to speak to one and reach out to one out of the blue? I, I don't know. Um, there's actually a really great organisation called Bird Soup. now that you mention it. Um, and actually they, they put the seed in my head initially. So they run... Um, leadership courses and coaching sessions for um, women and they do them all over the country um, I went to one of their, their sessions and that sort of put the idea in my head that that was what I was going to do was that I was going to set up my own business and sort of it was a six month period from that initial moment to, to handing my notice in um, but after that I um I applied to they did a um a mentoring course for women a free mentoring course and I met my coach through that as well and she was absolutely fantastic you know she guided me through things she talked me over the edge of things so the public speaking thing I was so nervous but she sort of coached me through it talked to me about how I was going to do it and gave me some tips and yeah coaching is completely invaluable yeah I think it is I made the, the mistake of perhaps waiting until it was nearly too late and I nearly lost my whole business and then I thought yeah I'll get a coach now prevention <laughs> is better than cure I always say but never mind you live and learn <laughs> but you did it and that's the thing exactly yes 
So today we are talking all about content marketing. First, just give me like a big overview. What is content marketing for those that are listening and thinking, oh, I'm intrigued? So I tend to describe it as anything to do with the stuff of marketing. So um, it could be an article, it could be social media, it could be video, it could be podcasts. I refer to sort of content as the things that go on the platforms. So with, yeah, so it's, it's the things you create. So it could be anything. Um, but to do it well, you need to have sort of a strategy behind the content you're creating and why you're creating it and who you're creating it for and what your ambitions are. Because otherwise you could be just shouting into the wind, producing a podcast for the wrong audience or no audience and things like that. So I think it's, it's about being strategic with that content to create content marketing. And what are the sort of starting points for somebody who's starting to think about creating that strategy? I would really, really recommend thinking about your audience. Your audience is by far the most important thing is who do you want to reach and why? Um, So it's probably going to be your ideal customer. So think about who they are um, and what they want. Um, and, and think about how what you want overlaps with it. So there's a bit of like a like a Venn diagram of the two two needs, your customers' needs and your needs, and where they sort of overlap in the middle. That's sort of where you should be placing your content marketing. Um, and a good point for starting for that is literally to ask your existing clients if you have some is to say to them, send out maybe a short survey and just say, ask them about the, what their needs and wants are, what their biggest challenges are, or why they came to you in the first place. Because it could be that there's a real nugget in there that you didn't even realise. There's some challenge you help them overcome. And if you can tease that out, you can then tease out the content that fits around that to help other people who are like your existing customers. Yeah, I think so often people don't get into the heads of their ideal clients enough, do they? And they Uh just think, well, this is what I want to talk about. I'm just going to put it out there. I think the more you can get into the head of your ideal clients, the better. If somebody has a number of different ideal client avatars, how would you say that they're best to approach their content marketing? I would maybe look at doing maybe sort of separate campaigns for each of the different audiences. So depending on how discreet and and separated they are, is to look at, you know, the the needs of each individual channel and then sorry each individual audience and then create marketing that sort of hits each one in separate ways. So potentially having like a planner that has has it mapped out for each different um, persona. Um, But if you can try and overlap them, if you can, but just don't try try not to dilute your message too much. Yeah. I think it's, you know, a lot of people might have different audience types, but that message could still be very similar, couldn't it? Or, you know, the issue that that person's facing could be quite similar, regardless of their age or their experience or what it is exactly that they're they're struggling Mm with. Yeah, just a small tweak can can change the message enough to make it resonate with a slightly different audience. It's just about being clear, I think, before you even get started about what the messages you want to deliver to each of those different audiences. And it might be that you have a priority. So it might be the one audience is slightly more profitable for you so that you put the focus on that one and then do the tweaking for the other two audiences, for instance. Yeah. So what other points are there to consider in terms of getting started? You've mentioned, you know, getting inside the mind of your ideal clients or speaking to your existing clients. What else do people need to consider? What it is that you want to achieve is really important because it's so easy to stray off target. So definitely have written down objectives somewhere so you know that you want to achieve x by by date um 
and, and how you're going to measure it. So just have those objectives in mind and then sort of how you're going to measure it. Um, because otherwise you just end up getting pulled in all directions. I know myself as a business owner that even when I'm doing my own marketing, I'll be like, oh, look, a shiny new thing over on Clubhouse. <laughs> and then I'm off over on Clubhouse. I'm like, but my ideal audience isn't on there. I want to be focusing on my ideal audience and getting them to do this one thing, not getting on Clubhouse just because it's shiny and new. It's, it's really important to have those objectives so you stay on target. And what about for people that are, you know, seeing all of these things, they think they should have a podcast, uh, a YouTube channel, a blog, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, TikTok, all of the things. I mean, it can be so overwhelming for people. How can they just start small? It comes back to that audience thing is where are your audience hanging out? Um Again, if you if you are in contact with them, is this ask them, you know, what are their primary channels um, and, and focus on those bits. You can always expand out in future if you find that there's a real demand for podcasts. But, you know, if they're on Instagram, then maybe focus your attentions on Instagram. Or if you if they're online is creating content that answers certain keyword searches, just start small and do it well and then expand out when you have the capacity to do so, or you feel that there's a demand to do so. Yeah, I love that. And what about using um, content marketing offline? How can that work for somebody? So I totally think that that's possible. And, and I really, I'm a real lover of print. As I said, I worked in magazines, so I'm like, yay, more print. Um, but there are ways of doing it. So look at how it fits into your overall strategy first. So is there a gap? So if your audience is very traditional, for instance, it might be that they would benefit from a brochure through the post. So think about that and then the amount of what the information would be inside that brochure, that printed material um, or, the, or an event. You know, if you're going to do an event, how does that fit into your overall strategy? And then look at ways you can track it. So you can use things like unique URLs, um, unique phone numbers and campaign tracking and things like that. So you can track online to offline as much as possible. Um, and, and then, sort of, yeah, measure the, the, the how it performs. So if you get a lot of, sort of signups for an event, then you know that that performs well and maybe to do it again. So, so it's a sort of test and learn scenario but, and track everything you can. I think that's one thing that just isn't done enough is the tracking. Mm-hmm. And so many people, they'll try something, they won't really look at the results or what it generated or the website traffic or the sales, and then they will just go straight on to the next thing and try another platform or try something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a big believer, you know, if something's working, just throw more energy at it, throw more effort at it, yeah. put budget behind it if you can. You don't need to be everywhere doing everything. Mm. Do work what works for you. Yeah, voucher codes, I have to say, are a really great way of tracking that online, offline. So, you know, give and add a specific voucher code so you can say, right, well, I know that this sale came in with this code, so therefore it came from that print advert, for instance. Mm. It's just a really simple way of just keeping track. You don't need a special phone number. You don't need campaign tracking. You don't need a special URL. You can just create a unique code for customers to quote when they come through. Yeah. I like the fact as well that you mentioned leaflets and sort of through the letterbox brochures because I think we get so overwhelmed and bombarded with stuff online, with targeted ads, with emails, with texts, with everything. And I think sometimes a good old traditional, here's a, a flyer of our new business can go so well. There's a new farm shop and deli that's opened literally five minutes away and they sent a letter um, with a little brochure to everybody in the area and have absolutely taken off because it came through yeah. the door. There was a little um, 10% off your first visit, but it sparked your attention. 
it's something that stands out among all of the bills and crap that comes through. And people are much more likely to read it. Whereas if that landed in my inbox, I would have just deleted it. Yeah, I think that is certainly something during lockdown that we've seen more of is the, is the transition to online. So now basically all I get is like bills and junk mail uh, through the post. So if I get anything that's even slightly interesting, I'm like, oh, look, print it's so lovely. And um, it, and it really stands out. I think there's been a slight challenge if you're B2B during this period, because obviously everyone's working at home. So um just be mindful of the fact that if people, if your target audience are B2B and they're not working in the office, that actually it might get missed. So it might land in a big pile full of mail so that when somebody comes in, it might not get noticed. But I'm sure that, fingers crossed, everything will go back to normal soon and, you know, you could resume that B2B print marketing. Yeah. Do you, I know you sort of touched on going to events and speaking and things at the beginning. Do you feel that that supports your content marketing nicely as well? Yeah, I really do. So from my perspective, part of my strategy is to be sort of uh, an expert go-to support for sort of marketing departments. Um, and a lot of the content that I create is around giving people tips and, and um, giving them um, ideas that they can then implement in their own marketing. And, and speaking on podcasts and events allows me to then do that in real life so I can go and speak to an audience of, sort of people who are relevant to me and speak to them sort of directly and then they can come up and ask questions afterwards and things like that. So it gives me that face-to-face interaction that supports my content marketing. And in some ways you could say my presentation is content because, you know, I create a slide deck and I talk it through. So in its own way, it is, it is content. And I guess from there, then there's so much content that you, that you can use for podcasts, for blogs, for your own social media, isn't there? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's a double whammy, really. You can repurpose a lot of the, the content that you create for events um, across social media, PR, websites, whatever. Yeah, I love that. So our title was obviously in terms of how investing in content marketing can help you achieve your business goals. I think, again, it's so important to mention that whatever it is that your goal is in business, it's looking at how you can reverse engineer that. So how do you feel that investing in content marketing or having a content marketing strategy can really help you hit those goals? At the risk of repeating myself, I think it really just helps you stay on target. Um, So having that objective and then reverse engineering it, you can then look at the tactics that you you fit in and then come up with a a really, not watertight plan, allow yourself some flexibility, but to sort of map out weekly or monthly, I want to create this article post on social media this many times this is the focus because this is the audience it just gives you a, a structure to work towards and and a way of measuring as I said before so you can see what's working and what's not and then put your energy and your efforts and your investment into the stuff that is working while allowing yourself a little bit of flexibility to pick up those opportunities that sort of appear you know we all see these things on um, on twitter where you know some brand does something another brand steps in you know that's not planned but having a structure they can then play around with the time that they have alongside it just to do the fun reactive stuff so having a nice mix of proactive and reactive allows you to get the most for your marketing i love that and what are your thoughts on repurposing content uh do it yeah <laughs> if, you've, if you've already created something um and there's a quick and easy way to repurpose it then definitely um certainly something that i find is useful is taking sort of a blog post that you maybe have written and then breaking up into sort of chunks that you can then share on social media so like a graphic for instagram like a quote graphic or um, a short video so record part of the, the blog post as, as a video is talking to camera like this that you can then share on instagram or twitter or you could potentially even do something on Clubhouse with it if that was where your audience was, but don't get distracted. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, 
I'd get, say go for it if you've already done the bulk of the legwork then sort of really maximize what you can do with it and, and share it across multiple platforms yeah I love that and I think you know so many people think that if they want to post daily on social media for example that they have to reinvent the wheel and they have to come up with brand new exciting ideas every single time and I I always just say no like create a few like key core pieces of content and talk about them in different ways, inject stories, share testimonials, share value posts, share your experience. There's so uh-huh. many ways to talk about a couple of core pieces of content yeah. without having to reinvent the wheel every time. Yeah, it can really save you time. And actually something that I will say that I find really um, helps me is that I bulk create content. So if I've written an article, then I will write maybe three or four tweets or social media, uh, Instagram posts and then schedule them in via sort of TweetDeck or um, Facebook Creator Studio. So get them in the diary so I can set it and forget it. And then I can do the reactive stuff in between just so there's always something going out. And doing bulk, it's fresh in my head. So I've written the article, written the tweets. I know what I'm talking about. I don't have to go back and go, right, what did I say in that article? Mm. So yeah, it, it really helps me to stay on top of things. Yeah. I think also that whole idea of batching content is so powerful because I think when you try and dip in and dip out every single day, it takes you that bit of time and energy to get yourself into that creative space. And if you're in a non-creative day to then try and think, right, I've now got to write a blog or a social media post, it's so hard to sometimes get into that energy. Do you feel yes. that sort of batching content works well as well? Yeah, so I tend to book out an hour or two each week to sit through and go, right, you know, these are the tweets that I want to put out. These are the Instagram posts. Create the the content or the, the visuals in that moment and schedule it in advance in a, in a blog because yeah you're right if you're trying to do sort of five things at once actually you, you end up too distracted so actually keeping it in a in a block that you know you're going to be doing social media or sort of content creation at this time every week it tends to to help I know it does with me time blocking is like one of those things um I find really maximize my productivity yeah same put your phone on silent out of reach uh-huh. upside down and you're in the zone for an hour, maybe two hours, and then it's yeah. done. It's the best thing Lock ever. Out, put some music on as well so there aren't too many distractions outside and, yeah, get your head down. I love that. And that enables you to be consistent. And obviously consistency is such a big thing. Mm. What would you say for people that do struggle to be consistent when it comes to creating content? You don't have to post every day. So don't, so I sometimes find, and I know that I'm bad for this, is the pressure of thinking I've got to come up with something for every single day. It's just too much. You know, you, I, there's no way I could blog every single day. I mean, at the moment, I'm not even blogging every single week. So it's about not putting too much pressure on yourself um, and saying, right, well, even if I write one blog a month, that's consistent. If I only put out one tweet a week, that's consistent. And start there. Again, start with the minimal. Start with what you can manage and what you can make consistent. And then if you can do that and you think you've got time to do something else, then do it. Yeah. Um and if not, you know, if you want to be doing it, but you don't have the time, it's maybe to look at hiring someone or using a freelancer to, to help you with that content creation to make sure you maintain that consistency. Because, you know, your your focus is your business predominantly and, and marketing is often a secondary thing. So if you if you don't have time, it's to speak to, to someone else and maybe ask someone else to help out. Yeah. And that's such a scary thing for people, though, isn't it? I think. But I always say to people, you know, that time that you spend worrying about it, stressing about it, trying to do it, trying to write, rewriting, deleting, writing it again, trying to create a graphic. That time could be spent in their zone of genius of speaking Mm -hmm. or writing their book or teaching their clients or making their products. And it is just about finding those things that are your core zone of genius 
and knowing mm. that it is okay to outsource things or to bring on a part-time team member or a VA who can support you. Yeah, it's it's been invaluable, actually. I've been using um, a VA um, recently and looking to sort of increase that over time because it does, it frees me up to focus on my clients so that somebody else can do my marketing. It's great. Yeah, and that is just such a big step, I think, isn't it? And so many people mm. just think that asking for help is a sign of weakness and it's not. It is such a sign of strength. It really, really is. And you can't do everything because there aren't enough hours in the day. You know, actually, it's about being smart. And like you say, finding somebody else's zone of genius so that they can do it more efficiently to free you up to do the thing that you do efficiently. Yeah. What would you say is the one thing that you wish you knew sooner in your business? Oh, um, I think it is that it's about time blocking that actually it's super vital. So I've got a, a wide wide variety of different clients some are on retainer some aren't some um a project based and things like that and actually it's having my schedule blocked out like weeks in advance saying like these clients are on these days this is the time that i have around it so i can easily see at a glance where i'm supposed to be what i'm meant to be doing and blocking in some time for my own marketing as part of that it just it's so helpful i cannot stress enough how much time blocking has helped me yeah oh my gosh that's such a good answer and I would oh, have okay. to agree, but I would that wouldn't be the one that, I, that springs to mind. But it's so true. Well, I think in the early days, I felt like I was being pulled in a lot of different directions. And I felt like maybe I would, didn't have enough focus. But actually by sitting down and saying, right, well, on Monday I do this, on Tuesday I do that. Give myself an hour or so for sort of reactive stuff during those days. But it just gives me that focus that I really, really need. Yeah, I love that. Is there anything else that you feel would just help people get started or demystify content in any way? Um, I think it's about not being, feeling, trying not to feel overwhelmed is my big, biggest tip is there are so many different platforms, like you said, that you could potentially create content for. Don't feel like you have to do it all. Don't, don't feel like you have to be on Clubhouse just because your peers are, you know, if your audience isn't there, then, then don't worry about it. It's better to, yeah, maybe this would be my mantra. It's better to do a few things really, really well than to do lots of things sort of half-heartedly. I think comparison ties into that a lot, doesn't it? You know, somebody's really starting does. their business and they see so so and so else or their competitor is doing this X, Y and Z and they just feel that they have to be doing those things as well. And one of yeah. my biggest things is just focus on you, focus on your business, focus on your customers and your ideal clients. Stay in your own lane. Yeah, it's fine to look at what your competitors are doing and sort of just take a gauge of how it's working on, you know, whether there is an application for it. But it's not about comparison. It's about just, I would say it's about audience research, looking at your competitors. It's not about yeah. what you can sort of beat yourself up for. Yeah, I love that. Well, that was action-packed and lots of little nuggets of wisdom in there. Well, I hope it was helpful. Yeah, no, I think it was. I've scribbled loads of notes, that's for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Um, where can my listeners find you online? Um, so I'm on uh, LinkedIn, so Lucy Mowat, but also you can find me at Method Marketing on most channels. So Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Having said that, don't do all the channels. I am on all the channels. Um, but yeah, just search Method Marketing, you'll find me. Um, and my website is www.methodmarketing.org. Fabulous. I will pop the links to that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Lucy. I think that's really demystified things, I hope, for a lot of people and will enable them to hopefully start taking the action and hitting their business goals through content marketing. Thanks for having me. I've had a great time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care.